0: I tell you what, recording a podcast is thirsty business, which is why we are really excited to announce that this episode of Well and Good is brought to you by Clean Collective.
1: Clean Collective are changing the pre game by producing a range of 100% clean vodka and gin RTDs that, would you believe, contain no sugar, no carbs, no preservatives, are gluten-free and use only natural ingredients.
0: They are a premium alternative to your stock standard run-of-the-mill RTDs, are naturally sweetened and also bloody delicious, if you ask me.
1: Available only from your local liquor store. So next time you're in, look out for the gorgeous white bottles and cans and give them a try. So today, we're speaking with a guy doing really amazing things, running a retreat out of central Otago. So Damien Shapiro is the founder of Aroha Retreats, doing week-long retreats that help people to kind of recenter themselves, get away, get out of the rat race, and find ways to take better care of themselves.
0: Yeah, and it's not just everyday retreat. This, what they do is like pretty remarkable and um, pretty cutting edge. And they've really developed some, I guess, methods of really kind of resetting people um and working on things like self-awareness and yoga and meditation and different aspects of dieting they use cold water they use sauna all sorts of things that they use in combination to really help to i guess teach people how to look after themselves right
1: yeah definitely so damien is a huge advocate for self-care so we talk about things uh, that burn people out like social media You know, COVID worries, screen time, and how meditation in particular is an amazing tool to deal with those kind of daily stresses. So we really do a deep dive on meditation, but I love that his approach is just so simple.
0: Mm. Yep. No, it's really cool. And I think um, that you'll get a lot out of this podcast, you who are listening. So enjoy. Namaste. Welcome to the podcast, Damien. Thanks for your time, man. Yeah, thank you guys. It's an honor to be here.
1: Yeah. We've been excited for this podcast. So first of all, um, can we sort of set the scene right now? Where are you, Where are you zooming, zooming in, in from?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Ooh, so james. I live here on site at Araha, which is the wellness retreat out near Glenorchy. So got the village of about 400 people nearby. And and then we've got Queenstown about 45 minutes from here. And uh, yeah, I live here. So I've got a little two bedroom apartment. I'm sitting up in our home office and yeah, hanging out with you guys.
0: Oh. Beautiful spot. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So you're one of the founders of AdoHa. Can you give us a bit of a background about, well, actually a background about yourself and how this whole thing came about?
2: Yeah. Uh, I, you, I guess my wellness journey started when I was in corporate. So I was in the States, went to school for IS and ended up in a kind of medium-sized uh, Corporation doing software consulting. And basically, I would say it all started when I wasn't feeling too great. I just didn't really enjoy what I was doing. I was spending an enormous amount of time with a screen. And, uh, you know, over the course of about two years, I just. Poked around and started really just giving quite a bit of attention towards what it was that I really wanted to do, and I started to notice what it was that made me feel good and when it was that I, you know, felt inspired and connected and alive. And um, and one of the things that was already there was my yoga practice, and it was at the time it was essentially maintenance. You know, it would you know you'd finish a ten hour day and and go get a yoga, yoga class in, and and I just noticed I always felt good afterwards. And so um, that was, that was a bit of insight there. And I ultimately, you know, I couldn't figure out how to fit myself into the corporate model. I looked at marketing, I looked at sales, I looked at like all these different aspects. And I was thinking about going back to school and, you know, getting into law and I was poking around everywhere with ideas and almost bought a youth hostel in, in Nicaragua. I mean, I was really, it was like anything, you know, it was like anything. (laughs) I just know I'm not quite there yet. And, um, yeah and and I ended up in Los Angeles uh, as a yoga teacher at a place called the ashram uh, which is one of the one of the kind of founding health retreats uh, in the states they've been around for you know pushing 50 years now
0: yeah right so how did you uh, so you you had yoga um, already in your life what other ways or things did you use to help you realize that you perhaps weren't living the life that you wanted to live, or perhaps, you know, how did you find what you were passionate about doing? I'd say I started with with just noticing
2: that physical activity um, was, was a huge part of what made me feel good. Like, I just knew that sitting... You know, for long periods of time wasn't working. And anytime I exercised, anytime I got out, whether I was hiking or rock climbing or, or doing yoga that I just felt better. And I would say I focused on the physical for, for quite a while. So I've been doing retreats now for about 15 years. And in the early days, a lot of my training and a lot of my attention was in, in the physical body. And I still love to get out and sweat and move and, and be in nature. Um, but over the years I've, I've gotten more and more into, I guess, the internal spaces and meditation and what it is that makes us tick on the inside and, and what creates genuine, you know, contentment and, and what gets in the way. So, yeah, I've studied with a lot of people over the years, I guess, um, really kind of, I would say like an ideal vacation for me is finding an exceptional teacher and doing whatever it takes to go and sit next to them and, and to listen and and learn from them. You know.
1: Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about um, what Aroha retreats are and like what happens on them and what the idea is behind it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. We, I, I think in this world, like, you know, we all know at least to some degree what it takes to be healthy. You know, like we know we should eat healthy food and we should exercise. And there's like kind of these foundational practices that most of us are aware of. And, and yet it's hard to do it. You know, it's hard to get it all to happen. It's hard um, in a busy life and in the normal flow of a day to to make great decisions through the day. And so Adarha basically is a place where you take yourself out of your regular life and, you you know, pop down to us for six to eight days and you'll essentially spend um, a, a significant period of time uh of each day, just taking good care of yourself. So we wake up and um, practice yoga. We'll do a bit of journaling. You know, we start the day with a little wellness elixir and then we have a beautiful breakfast. And usually we get out into the hills after that. So big doses of nature and sunshine and fresh air. And then um, and the afternoon we, we just do various workshops. Some of them are physical Sometimes you're in the kitchen, you're working with our chefs. Sometimes you're, you know, learning about breath work, or um, or maybe just kind of doing a restorative yin practice. So, w- I guess we do a fair amount in the course of those six days. But you can, you can imagine how nice it is just to say, um, choose to do a workout. So I would say most of us will do at least one good thing for ourselves each day, and then multiply that and imagine that you're making choice after choice after choice um, in the right vein of decision-making and and what your body might possibly feel like and what your mind might possibly feel like um, if you did that for six days. So for me, the first time I did a retreat like this, it was, it was a door opening that I didn't even realize existed. Um, I just had never... I'd never held myself in that kind of practice, so I really had no idea what it would be like. And, um, yeah, that's what we do 365 days a year. We run about three and a half retreats a month, and uh, most of them are six-day retreats, but every once in a while we go a little deeper and we do eight-day retreats. Yeah, it's a good time. And
1: how, how do you... Um like, do you, do you see a lot of people sticking to to the same kind of habits once they leave the, the retreats or um, do people kind of come and do the retreat and then go back to their old habits and then do another retreat? And then how does it usually? It's a good work? question. It's a great question.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I often take the pressure off of people at retreat because it's, it's a, fairly kind of perfect existence, you know, like every meal is beautifully healthy and every activity is kind of, you know, structured and led. And, you know, and I, I basically don't expect people to remain, you know, in, in the sort of practice that they're in while they're here. But what it does do is it is it shows you what the potential is. So if you're not feeling too good, you know that quite easily at home, you know, you can, you can you know, stop drinking for a couple of days, eat healthy food for a couple of days, get outside, take some walks, take the dog out. Um, you can do some fairly simple things and really start to turn it around. And um, so I, what I notice in my clients is some people, uh, there's almost like two types, like some people, will really grab it and hold on to a significant amount of the practice and really create some significant shift over the course of, say, six or eight months. Um, And some people love to just kind of go right back to you know a, a big steak and a bottle of bordeaux and you know and i think that's perfectly fine actually uh, um i think i think there's just as much in in a ha- there's just as much learning in a hangover as there is in not having a hangover you know so both of them work <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah, totally.
1: I love that quote.
0: You um, you talked before about, you know, picking people up out of their everyday lives and putting them somewhere new. How important do you think that aspect of it is? You know, just like removing someone from their environment, putting them in a new environment. You know, do people need to be going to a retreat do they, or, you know, a change of scenery? Or can they do this sort of thing at home?
2: You can do it at home, but I would say if you've never done it. Um, it's real really difficult. I think we all want to be healthy. You know, we have our you know our highest interest is to feel good and to enjoy our lives and to be happy and to be whole. And um, and yet it's just difficult, you know. And if you if you haven't had any background in this sort of practice, it's it's really difficult. And and I would say for me, all of my most you know profound and enjoyable and and rich experiences have been in a retreat setting. And it's ancient. I mean, the practice is ancient, you know, like all the world's religions involve um, forms of, you know, spiritual practice that that look, you know, similar to a retreat. So Christianity has, for example, Lent, you know, where you, where you fast or let go of something or kind of get into some sort of practice. And of course, they have monastic traditions and all that sort of thing. So um, I think there's some wisdom in and getting yourself out of your house, you know, getting yourself out of even even out of your relationships and out of your friendships and out of your kind of circle so that you can you can kind of, you know, be you again, you know, be you in in whatever way you choose to be and and just have a little break. I often tell people that that I think the best way to understand what your relationship is with something is to let go of it. So if you think you have a chocolate habit you know try not eating chocolate for a month you know and see what it's like and if you think you know whatever it is you know um, take a break from it and you'll learn a lot
0: yeah I think that's pretty powerful it's it sort of makes me also think that I mean I, I totally agree with that I need to remove myself from whatever environment I'm in if it's not conducive with the way I want to live I'm all about I'm a big com, um, proponent of uh, creating an environment that is yeah conducive with the way I want to live. So, but I find an interesting aspect of that to now be my phone and social media because you know if I don't, um, it's so easy to get stuck in there. And for my phone and social media to become a big part of my environment because that's where I spend a lot of my my head is in there a lot of the time. So, what about is, is that is that something you? you consider when uh, people are coming down there, like uh, do do people switch off their phones and go completely off off off-grid? I suppose it'd be a way for people to really, like you said, be their true self. Because I think with social media, where sometimes it can sort of help to shape us into a person that maybe we wouldn't have become if it wasn't for social media that is the environment that is helping to shape us. I bet you most
2: people listening are completely... You know, at least internally nodding their head with what you're saying. You know, I think we're all feeling this modern, you know, way of of um, connecting, and it's you know, it's it's a blessing and it's a curse. Um, so yeah, we do. So basically, what we do, I think, if I if I didn't give people internet my business would probably fail. Um, there's, it's that big of a hurdle for people, um, to be connected. And so what we do is we offer internet in their rooms so people can essentially use, you know, connect, uh, you know, anytime they want in their own rooms. And then in all the public areas, we don't offer Wi-Fi. So, um, we have a bit of a conversation, a fairly, um, lengthy one, um, in most retreats where we just talk about the effects of screens and, and again, this opportunity to to switch off at least partially, and usually what I invite people to do is is what my wife and I uh, do, which is is just to create uh, a no screen time around bed, and so we invite them to put their screens to bed at. At dinner and we actually have like so in the lounge we have like these um charging stations that disinfect your phone and wirelessly charge your phone so the idea is after dinner you leave your phone and then and then at breakfast you pick it back up and it's ready to go for you um during the day so an optimal experience of course is is no connection uh but it seems like that is kind of further and further away from possibility for most people
1: yeah yeah, totally. Well, I guess it's like, well, it's like if you're a smoker and you just suddenly go no week, like a whole week without smoking, mm. it'd be, you know, like I wonder if that that would kind of take away from the um, enjoyability of the experience as well. And do, do you find, Damien, that like um, people get a lot out of the connection with other people? Because I know that Art and I have done a couple of retreats and I feel like the one of the main thing that i got out of it was the connection of this group of people all experiencing the same thing and you're sharing and and it almost feels a bit easier that they don't start off as like good friends of yours mm-hmm. it's it's this really kind of unique special relationship when you all share this amazing experience together
2: yeah, I think, I think it's a huge part of it. It's funny because I hear from our, our clients that sometimes the idea of being in a group is terrifying. And the, the one thing that makes them second guess the whole thing is that it's a group. And And I think we can really easily, especially when things are tough and when we're kind of really, you know, Nose to the grindstone in our lives, it can feel like the idea of being social with a group of new friends is like the last thing you want to do. Um, but we certainly know from from research and from probably just our own observations that um, we don't do too well when we're alone. You know, like we're we're social beings, and and you know, this sort of connection that you create in retreat, which is just authentic and present and open and kind and, you know, relaxed is, is I think what, what most of us really can use. So I think I think it's a, hu- a huge part of what makes our retreat special is that everyone comes at the same time and they leave at the same time. So you have a space within which you can actually genuinely make authentic friends and connect with people. Um, and so it plays a huge role. It's often a surprising um, highlight, I would say, for people, uh, just the group connection.
0: Yeah, I bet. And how, so, I mean, at the moment, the world's, you know, totally on its head with covid and these sort of connections in real life aren't possible for a lot of people and how do you feel that plays into people's mental health because i mean i guess we we're on our phones so much and p- some people would say well we're still being able to connect via social media but not being able to
1: it's not connection though like i i sort of feel like that's almost like a like a fake yeah connection. i feel
0: like i feel like we we're, we're at the stage where we We've never been able to be so connected, yet we still feel more disconnected than ever. Yeah, have you guys seen this? Uh, there's a
2: great Netflix out there um, called uh, the Social the Social Dilemma. It's excellent. Dilemma. If you haven't watched it, it's yeah. like we get to watch it. Uh, yeah, it's it's a worthy watch. That one. Um, y- you know, everything I've seen. We we do we do a session around tech. Uh, called defang your thing. Um, and the idea is that, you know, that you're taking, you're, you're kind of defanging your tech, right. You're kind of like taking the bite out of your tech. And, um, and there's plenty, I mean, you know, we, we've known that this was coming for quite a while. We've known that particularly our phones, um, have been really shifting, uh, the way we are in the world and, and creating increased anxiety and depression. And, um, it's a pretty clear connection. Uh, and so, yeah, I worry a little bit, you know, with with these days. Like, I know that I'm doing more Zoom calls, and um, I think in this sort of format where you're just focused on two people or like one screen, it's actually not so bad. But when you get on those group calls and you're like trying to take in, you know, large groups of people, <laughs> you seem to feel it a bit more. Um, That's hectic. Yeah, it's hectic, totally. And it's no, yeah. it's no, it's um, it doesn't, you know, replace by any stretch of the imagination, real connection, does it?
1: No, yeah. no, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think like. Um, human nature just really wants to make everything efficient. So like even, you know, social meetups, it's like, let's make it really efficient. We can just do it on our laptops. Nobody has to drive anywhere. We we like don't don't have to meet up. But now it's almost like we've we've bit ourselves in the bum a little bit because we think, well, actually efficiency is not that important when we need more human connection. It's not about just trying to do everything as quickly as we can. It's, this is like a basic human need, but, um, like in terms of your personal, um, wellness kind of routine, um, do you, do you like do daily things, um, like meditation or breath work or like, what's your kind of
2: routine? I would say historically I was, I was quite, um, consistent about my yoga practice and my yoga practice is now not daily. I've noticed actually somehow without really much of my choosing, I don't practice yoga every day anymore. Um, but what I do twice a day, um, quite consistently, is meditate. So I'll, I'll meditate usually 15 to 20 minutes morning and evening, and it's just my pre-bed and and pre-out of or you know pre-out of bed, yeah. Um, practice. Um, I'm like today, you know, I, you know, was, was outside for a bit and got some sunshine and, and basically just did a bit of movement and I've got a pull-up bar outside and I'll flow through a, a, it's like, you know, miniature yoga sort of practice. Um, And I, I'm a paraglider, so I like hiking and, and basically there's in the paragliding world, there's something called hike and fly. And you basically put on a big backpack and hike to the top of the biggest mountain you can and, and then jump off and go flying off to the bottom. <laughs> and uh so that's pretty fun it sounds amazing yeah and i would say i mean we've already we've, we've touched on probably one of the areas that i really have been putting a lot of attention which is uh with screen time so m- my partner and i um have really been playing with how we can even support each other and hold each other accountable with screen time and and you know keep screens out of the bedroom and and doing all that because it's just surprisingly persuasive it's they're they're so seductive and and
0: yeah and, it just and
1: creeps back in doesn't it It really oh, is weird
0: isn't it yeah you make you make a rule you make a rule like no phone's in the bed or like yeah, I'm gonna charge my phone out in the kitchen so you know all this sort of thing and you stick to it for maybe a week, maybe two weeks mm. and then bam. Phones back but, in your hand in But bed. I think
1: that's okay though Because because I think we like Put so much pressure on ourselves And say no I'm going to do this I'm going to do this mm. forever But it's like it's okay If you do it sometimes And it slowly comes back You think oh no I'll pop that back out there And then it slowly comes back It's okay and, Like We don't have to be perfect I no. feel like a little bit Is better than nothing Yeah you know? and I
0: think as long as You're aware of it
1: Yeah Yeah, well, that that screen time app, I I find very handy. Like if it says, oh, your usage was down 10% or something for an average of still so much. (laughs) But, you know, it's...
2: A number you don't want to admit.
1: I would never show, show anyone. It's like the secret shame. It's like, Oh my God, it's so high. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, But it's actually quite good at sort of holding myself accountable. And sometimes I'm like, all right, I'm 10% down this week. Maybe I'll try for, you know, another 10% next week or something. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Do you guys have any particular um, ways of going about creating habits
0: that you like to use? So with our, um, I mean, I, our Wi-Fi is probably one way. We we have our Wi-Fi on an automatic timer. So that switches on at about 7 a.m. and then switches off again at 8.30 p.m., I think. Yeah, currently. And that's just a nice little reminder. So we, you know, stop watching any TV or Netflix at 8.30. Sometimes we'll be halfway through a show and we'll be like, oh, Damn it! Why did we make this rule? Um, But we're always stoked that we did because then it's, you know, we know it's time to get into bed and and read our books, which is just for us, um, that's the perfect way to get ourselves ready for um, a good night's sleep. Uh, But we also limit any phone time in bed. So we go through phases, like Maddie said, of having like strictly no phones in bed and we stick to it. I mean, most of the time we're pretty good with it, I'd say.
1: Yeah, yeah, and no phones during meal times as well. So, like, when we have dinner, we don't put the TV on or, like, don't have our phones around us and stuff. And that's actually been pretty powerful because we went through a stage of, like, as soon as we would make our dinner, we'd, like, sit down and put on our Netflix show and we'd, like, eat our dinner while we we're watching it. But then... We stopped doing that and then we found that we were having these really great conversations during during dinner where we'd talk about really interesting, deep things where we didn't feel like putting on Netflix because we were enjoying each other's company and enjoying each other's conversation. And we were like, oh, we're missing out on so Mm. much of this just because we're going from one thing to the other, you know, going from phones during the day to then cooking dinner, you're busy, and then you sit down straight onto Netflix. Like there's actually no downtime to just be with each other and talk and be relaxed. And, um, yeah, so we're, we're now starting to really cherish that time because especially with a one-year-old, we don't really get that very often. No. And So so many people wouldn't, you know. Like if you're working full-time, you've got three kids or whatever, like dinner time is, is quite... A hectic time, yeah. you know, or the the days are a hectic time. So that that time we you can just be with each other and talk and it's it's so important for yeah. relationships, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. We've been playing a bit of a game uh, here at how where we we have a think about what we think is our our worst wellness practice. Cause I think all of us are actually it's almost like a fingerprint, right? And I and I open up the conversation as as being, you know, It could be anything, right? So it doesn't have to be in the normal sphere of of kind of what we might consider healthy or unhealthy. But uh, I have people think about what, when are when are the moments, and what do you notice as a cause that you feel the worst? And, um, you know, for me lately, the one that's been coming up um, has actually been screen time and particularly just the way that even when I'm working, because I've actually kind of tackled social media, you know, relatively um, consistently. But one of the ones for me was just noticing that I can really easily sit for several hours um, uh, working, like doing productivity sorts of tasks. Um, but but that after, you know, a few hours of that, that's usually when I feel worse during my day. You guys have one that sticks out?
0: Yeah, that's interesting. That's a good thing to think about and be conscious of, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, definitely for me, I can relate to the um, being on my phone. So for me, social media, I'm, I'm, I'm far better now at keeping that in check. And I very rarely scroll through an Instagram feed. Um, and that's because I've kind of thought about this and realized that every time I scroll through an Instagram feed, I never... Uh, put my phone down feeling better than I had before I started scrolling, you know? It doesn't improve my mood, even though- It's always
1: just a slight feeling of anxiety, you know? Is
0: that, you feel you get a feeling of anxiety? (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, just from from like a really deep scroll session. And I feel like you just feel a bit kind of dirty afterwards, you know, you feel like guilty. You're just like, oh, why did I do that?
0: Yeah, it frustrates me because I I feel like time, especially now with our little one-year-old, you know, we don't have that much time to do things and time is just so precious and it's like one of our most valuable assets really and i it's just such a waste of time it's i just don't feel like i get anything out of it so for me the frustration comes from wasting of time
1: mm-hmm. yeah for for me it's it's probably a similar thing but but i find that like if i've been scrolling through social media because i feel like i'm i'm pretty kind of content and and happy in myself but you know sometimes if i'll be scrolling through and like looking at all these different people cuz usually i can look at them and be like, Oh, cool. They're doing that. That's great. Awesome. But you know, sometimes I find this thought creeps into my mind. That's like, Oh, you know, like I wish I had like a house like that or, Oh, it's amazing. She looks so great. And she's like got little kids, like how, how does she do it? And blah, 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 blah. And, and it sort of like plants the seed of like, um, low self-esteem or this weird feeling. And and it makes me feel like crap. And I'm like, I'm not unhappy. You know, like I love my life. I, I love my family. But for some reason now I feel all weird and like kind of, I don't know, just um, what's the word? I can't think of that. But anyway, so that would be my worst mm. wellness practice for sure. Mm. So I think.
0: my Yeah, my next question after that would be then how do you, after you do feel that and you feel yourself slipping down into that feeling of you know, Mm. ill health, how do you then pick yourself up? Do you have, like, Mm. techniques, Damien, that you, like, employ to sort of get yourself back on track feeling good? Yeah. I mean, we often lump everything here into
2: two categories. Um, One of them is just nature. And I put into nature, I put movement, you know, so – you know, I think getting outside, even if, if you're in a city, going to a park, going for a run, um, moving your body in a natural way, you know, whatever that means to you, if you like ocean swimming or, you know, whatever it is, just moving. Um, I, I often like to look at at health just through the lens of nature. It's like, what what am I putting in my mouth? What am I putting on my skin? You know, what products do I use? And, and from the lens of, of what's closer to nature and what's f- more, fur- you know, f- further away. Um, I-, I look to kind of be as close as I can these days, and um, I notice I—I I would say I'm not usually as far as I think. Away from feeling good, like it doesn't take a lot of you know self care and a lot of nourishing actually to turn a corner. Um, I've certainly had times in my life where I really burned it at both ends and you know kind of pummeled myself into you know oblivion. And 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 there were periods where it probably took a little. It felt further away, um, but often what I what I noticed was it was probably because I was staying on the gas. In other words, I was just for whatever reason I wasn't letting myself come off the gas. And, um, and any time I do, you know, like, you know, contentment is is usually not that far away, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, nature is just so, so powerful. Like even just a walk on the beach or, or like a walk with the dogs in the park, I come home feeling invigorated, mm. like totally yeah. different to, to when I started. It's, it's pretty a, amazing.
0: It's a reset. I find it a, a real reset and it puts things in perspective for me. And just like a simple walk on the beach, I'm like, you know, for me anyway, I get there and I think about just like even watching the waves and I'm like, you know, all of my things that are going on in my head, it's like these waves would still be rolling in no matter what's happening in my life. Like everything going on doesn't really matter. Yeah. (laughs) You know?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I find that like writing things down. So like just sitting outside and getting a journal or a notebook or whatever. And if you're feeling a bit overwhelmed or scrambled or like, Crap if you feel like there's a problem in your life and You just write it down Sometimes I look at the piece of paper and I'm like This is not a big deal mm. You know, this is such a small Problem, but anything in our mind It's like we build it up and build it up and build it up Till it becomes this huge Thing that we can't get past And it's all we can think about But then if I say it out loud or I write it down I'm like, oh, that's That's doable. God, I can handle that. Mm.
0: (laughs) Break it down into different parts, eh? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, Mm. exactly. (sighs) Look, I'll admit, Art and I aren't the biggest drinkers, but boy, do we make an exception when it comes to Clean Collectives' range of 100% clean vodka and gin RTDs.
0: Yeah, these drinks are completely free from sugar, carbs and preservatives and they're super yum. So they really tick all of our boxes, don't they Matt?
1: They sure do. Clean Collective was actually founded by two young Kiwis, Holly and Dan, and all their products are made right here in New Zealand. So by choosing to drink Clean Collective, you're not only making a better choice for your body, but are supporting local at the same time. Win-win.
0: They have a range of 5 delicious flavours including a brand new pear and elderflower with vodka and are available in 4 packs of bottles or large 12 packs of cans. Whether you're heading out to a family barbecue or planning a big night out, they've got you covered.
1: You can purchase them from your local liquor store, and you'll usually find them in the fridges alongside the other premixes. They're the ones in the crisp white packaging.
0: I hear they're also the official drink of the Rhythm and Vines Festival, which is very cool also.
1: Oh, love that. So be sure to give them a follow at Clean Collective Official on Instagram and Facebook, or head to their website, www.cleancollective.co, for more information.
0: Cheers to drinking clean.
2: It's funny, I, I... Confess that I often journal only when things are bad. <laughs> uh, either, well, actually, there's two times that I tend to journal naturally. One is when I'm not feeling great or something's going on that's challenging. The other one is when I'm on vacation. Um, but but we use journaling a fair amount here because it's such a powerful uh, way to process. And and I've definitely had uh, some guidance at times around journaling where. Where you know just the right prompts to kind of work you through a particular challenge um, can be really radically helpful. We actually just finished a writing treat, retreat, um, the the previous retreat to this one, and it was really it was really insightful, really good. But I was going to say the the other um, so we kind of lump it into two sections. One is nature. The other one is is I guess I would call self inquiry. And you were you were asking earlier about meditation and what that practice is like for me. And, um, I use an analogy that I call the great gate. Uh, the great gate is, is the idea that within each of us, we have a gate. And, um, this, this gate is, is essentially like a source of, or, or, you know, an opening within which our energy flows. So in this moment, all three of us have a gate and it's in a particular position. So it's anywhere from all the way open to all the way closed or anywhere in between. And, um, and when the gate is open, of course, we feel comfortable. We feel like we're among friends. Um, you know, we feel like life is flowing the way we want it to flow and things are just easy. So you, you can put into that category, you know, all the kind of emotional states or all the noticings um, that feel gate open. And then gate closed would be the opposite to that. It's it's when there's frustration or resistance or challenge or, you know, any of those aspects. And um and so, one of the practices we we use at Adarha as a foundational practice is just to start to notice. And uh, it was a little bit like you were just saying, Matilda, about when you write when you write it down, and you just kind of hold something up to the light, and you you know you say it to yourself. All of a sudden, it kind of loses some something. You know, it gets easier to manage. And um, it's the same the same with this practice, which is really just an awareness practice um, that. When you just become, become, like you get into the practice of of being the observer of yourself, um, there's some I I would call it magic. You know, like you know, anytime you're you're in the space between your thoughts, or you are the you are the listener to your own thoughts, um, it somehow takes the power and the magnitude and the intensity and the um, you know the force out of out of those thoughts, and so. I mean that's one of the things that I that I love about me- uh, meditation is that that whatever is going on in my life, you know, in the depths of coronavirus lockdown, you know, when I meditate, it's the same space that I'm going to and and all the complexity and all of like anything that exists in my story vanishes for just a moment. So even if I'm only meditating and I'm only present for a few moments a day, there's something about uh, touching base with that part of us that is, has been there since I was born and will be there until, you know, the the time I die. And, and, you know, it doesn't age and it doesn't have opinions and it doesn't care about politics. And, you know, it's, it's just kind of pure essence, you know? And, um, yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge, um, space that I, um, have, have given more and more attention to and, and I find more and more relief from.
1: Yeah. yeah, I love that's, that so much.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. That's kind of how I feel about it sometimes. You know, like for me, my meditation practice takes me to that place that is that one true constant place inside me where it's always there, it's always positive, and everything else disappears.
1: Yeah, well, I guess that's your your true self because I think like as we get older and go through life, we're, we're constantly sort of molding ourselves I could be wrong, but like according to the people we spend the most time with or like outside sources, things like... Or
0: people you see on your phone. Yeah,
1: like people you see on your phone, especially if you're getting constant validation from, from social media. I wonder if you kind of mold yourself into this version that you think people want you to be, whereas that spirit or whatever in, inside of you is that is your, your true self. And I think the more that we connect with that true self, then the more we can live our lives that way and connect with who we really are in all aspects of our life and I think it's just yeah incredibly powerful
0: Mm. Mm. what form of meditation do you practice Damien it's interesting I've I've
2: practiced you know you know TM and and done a bit of uh, Vedic meditation with friends and you know practice with a whole bunch of different teachers what i what I notice is the one that I come back to, which I don't even, I don't even give a name to, um, is, is just presence around the breath. So if I'm having a particularly, um, you know, energetic moment and I can't get my, my mind to shut off, um, then I'll count with my breath. Or I'll give myself a mantra, something simple like, I am loving awareness. And I'll just, you know, on the inhale, I'll, I'll say to myself, I am. And on the exhale, I'll say, loving awareness. Um, So, really simple um, style of meditation. Uh, you, You guys would kind of know the path well to the spaces between the thoughts, but once you kind of know where you're going, you often just kind of need those little kind of reminders or those little pointers towards that space, you know? And, um, usually for me, if I can, if I can just watch, I mean, I often just, if, especially if it's, you know, particularly challenge, challenging, I'll just say, just watch one breath. All you have to do is one full breath. You know, you got this. And, um, and it's often enough at least to get me in there. And if I can do that for a few minutes, um, then, you know, even though I, you know, I have a lot of people that say to me, Damien, I'm, I'm terrible at meditation. And, and if, 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 If counting the number of thoughts that I had during meditation equated my my ability to meditate, then I probably would be pretty terrible too. Because there's still plenty of thoughts that you know come through my head, and and some days are harder than others. Um, But I really, I I, what I do is I just pay attention to how nice it is in those little moments of stillness, how delicious it is um, when the kind of spaciousness arrives and the shoulders drop and the forehead softens. Um, I really, you know, I just kind of like savor and, you know, drink in those moments. And usually it, it helps me to kind of come back over and over again. Um, so it's, I I don't practice a particular style. I've, it's funny when I, I, like I've studied with people like Eckhart Tolle and Byron Katie and, and, um, I think I've gotten it from them in that they're not really. It's not a style. It's a. It's a part of yourself that you're connecting with, and you're. You know, if for those that are listening that are new to meditation, it's it's not something that you're learning. It's actually something that you're unlearning. So the the, you know, all of us have. You know, we are perfect meditation, right? We are Buddha nature. We are Christ consciousness, um, and, and that is. That is the the kind of witnessing spaciousness within which your thoughts happen, right? It's the part of you that's listening, it's the part of you that sees through your eyes, and um, so you, it, once you kind of realize that you're not actually trying to learn anything, you're really just trying to unwind all the stuff that you've been taught, you know, all the busyness, all the kind of you know cranking away and the you know the the you know aspirations and kind of yeah the. The buzz, you know, and it, and it literally shows up for me sometimes. Like my brain is like buzzing; it almost feels like there are bees in there that are just bouncing around, and and all I have to do is kind of somehow kind of sing them a little lullaby and get them to to settle down, and um, and then I'm back home. Yeah,
1: yeah. I feel like I've I've heard that phrase like oh I can't meditate because you know like my brain just you know keeps going and I can't do it. I can't sit still. So you know it's not for me, but, but I think that's where the misconception comes in that, that people think it's about clearing your mind. Um, but it's, it's more about noticing what goes on, right? Because I feel like unless you're extremely advanced in your meditation practices, like potentially a monk or something, it's very difficult to have a clear mind. Like minds don't wanna be clear. They're they're having thoughts and there's lots going on. So it's more about just being being aware of what's going on in there and as you say, focusing on your breath and just unlearning. I love that term, unlearning. Yeah.
0: I've been I've actually been finding lately that I've been so I yeah, I practice Vedic meditation predominantly, but also uh from time to time I do just focus on my my breathing. Sometimes I do a bit of metabhavana meditation. And I also like a bit of guided meditation sometimes when I'm feeling like I just want a bit of guidance or some interesting thoughts to then put in my head to then potentially meditate on afterwards. Mm -hmm. And, but recently I've actually just been enjoying sitting with my eyes open and just not, and just letting my brain completely go wherever it wants to go. And sometimes it'll just be deep, lost in thought, thinking about business ideas, thinking about anything. But I, I, and the reason I've been doing that is because I've been realizing that I'm so, I, I make myself so busy during the whole day, consumed by things that take my attention, that I don't have any time to actually just stop and just think. Just think, <laughs> just think mm. you know. All all of my other my thoughts and things are you know are handed to me on a device or you know, um, yeah,
1: or or just jobs. That yeah, jobs that you're doing that, the doing day, that yeah, take and my and attention. Mm.
0: So I don't I don't think you need to have a f- certain form of meditation to meditate. I think meditation can be as simple as just sitting down without any distraction and just just sitting there yeah the for, value you know, of just
2: 10 minutes creating space just to be
0: yeah i think sometimes mm.
2: i i i i feel like what i'm the reason why i'm doing everything that i'm doing the reason why i work hard and and do all the things that i'm doing is is kind of subconsciously i think that i'm going to get to a point where i can finally have everything organized enough that i can finally relax You know what I mean? And, and that you can finally just kind of go like, ah, you know, and even when we think about like a beautiful vacation, you know, like being on a beach and the, you know, the waves crashing and everything, like, what is it that we imagine? We imagine that we have nothing to do and that we can finally just relax in the sun and, you know, and then I think it's so odd that we, you know, we finally get the vacation and we, we go on the holiday and we find the beach and we sit there and then we'll fill it up you know like we won't
1: actually <laughs>
0: yeah. give ourselves that much space.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so true. Yeah.
0: What is so what is that? What is that about human nature? It's it's kind of also a thing about uh you know finding that balance because I think that if we had nothing to do then we'd be searching for things to do but then when we have too much to do we want less to do. We want to be doing nothing. So like how yeah, I mean how do we go about finding that balance?
2: What works for me and what I notice um both in my work and in my relationship is that um, if I'm touching base with with that space inside me that that is stillness, you know, um, I notice that it comes with me through the day, and that's why I think the practice of meditating a couple times a day. I don't meditate for that long; it's fifteen or twenty minutes, you know, and um, and sometimes shorter and sometimes longer, but. Um, but I think just t- like just remember, it's almost like uh, Eckhart Tolle says it really beautifully. He says you have to find a balance between being and becoming, and the being is, of course, the state of meditation or presence or contentment, and um, the becoming is is what most of us are very good at. You know, we're very good at um, creating more things to do and. Um, keeping ourselves busy, but finding the balance between those two kind of um, at least once, you know, during your day, acknowledging um, that if your life isn't the way it needs to be now, when will it be? Um, And just kind of touching base on that kind of foundational way of being and what I notice is almost magical is that it comes with you through your day. You'll be less reactive. Um, you know, if you're reminding yourself of that place and you're reminding yourself of that way of being, then things just seem less stressful. You just seem to be more grounded and more peaceful. I don't know how that actually works. That such a small amount of time given to to a practice can really kind of affect the way you are through the day. But it feels like to me that my meditation practice just brings my entire day down a notch or two. I think it's Gandhi who says, you know, I've got so much to do today. I need to meditate for twice as long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah Our, our um, meditation teacher, we um, had her on the podcast and and I remember asking her like, so what does it feel like because she's obviously been meditating for a really long time and she's done a lot of work on it. And I said like, what does it feel like to, to be in like such a a calm state and be so much further along in your um, meditation journey? And she said something which I just found really profound. She said, well, I just, I I just don't care about things as much, you know, like I just think things don't affect me, you know, like if, if people are talking about something and they're, Really angry and they're really upset, and it was a few days ago or something. She's just like, oh, that was a, like that was a few days ago. Like, why are you still worrying about that? And <laughs> and I really loved that because it's so simple, yet so profound. Because imagine if you got to a space where you could just things just like water off a duck's back. Things things don't affect you, and and that that you're so comfortable in that place of of calm. That stress doesn't affect you as much, yeah. you know. I, f- I
0: find that with my meditation, it it does that for me for like a short amount of time, you know. Like, mm. and it and it, I think what it does is it it puts things in perspective to the point where I start to, you know, if I'm I might be getting overwhelmed by things I need to do, and then I meditate and I it helps to put things in perspective, and I realize that I don't need to do everything right now. And I, and I realized that I'd been pushing, putting all this pressure on myself to get things done right now, really quickly. And then as soon as I realized that that doesn't need to be done, and it just relieves a whole lot of pressure. It's like when you've got something planned for a day and you're like, okay, I've got to go off to this meeting. I've got, and then we've got friends coming around for dinner or something like that. And then suddenly they cancel. And you're like, oh, we've got the night off. <laughs> actually really nice it's like this huge stress relief and you realize how much it it had actually been weighing on your mind just um that sort of thing Mm.
2: love it one of the one of the things we we teach here and one of the ways that i like to see you know the the nature of being human is that we um i like to think of our like our emotional states and our responses as tools so each of us will 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 choose certain tools throughout our day to navigate the challenges that we have. And um, so some so each of us would have kind of a different fingerprint, if you will, as to as to what tools we rely on most. And um, you know, if you think about the things that you were worrying about even a year ago, um, most of those things, if you had a list of what was keeping you up at night, would be kind of irrelevant, right? And over and over again, the things that would keep us up now, you know, eventually become irrelevant. So you start to notice that, oh, well, maybe maybe the the idea is actually to shift just the way I'm being with the things that are coming up for me in my life, right? And so one practice which I like is, is just to notice which tools – um, you feel most in your body. So the, the the entry to it, of course, is to notice the gate and to notice what your emotional states are throughout your day. We often, we often you know, if you said, oh, how was your day? And be like, good, thanks. You know, as though it's a real consistent good. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. And, and of course, instead, it's, you know, it's up and down. And... Um, and just noticing, first of all, you know what what's your toolkit? You know what are the ones you use most? And and just like the journaling, that thing of like holding up to the light, um, oh, like I'm feeling anxious, or I'm feeling angry, or I'm feeling peaceful, or I'm feeling you know whatever it is, um, doing that practice and starting to notice what you use in your relationships, what you use in negotiations, what you use when you're paying your taxes, you know what do you use when you're washing your car, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you really start to get a sense of and like kind of pull the veil back on, on another way, right? That that potentially it, uh, several, several different tools could work. In fact, any tool could work in a particular situation.
1: That brings us to our final question. Indeed it does. This is arguably our most serious one, Damien, but um, if you could have uh, three foods and three foods only for the rest of your life, what would they be?
2: Ooh, can I choose a type, or is it literally like a food item? Yeah, food item. If you can. Oh wow. Okay. Well, avocado <laughs> would definitely be in there. <laughs> no,
0: uh, always one of them.
2: Yeah. I mean, who? I don't know who can live without avocado. So it'd probably be avocado. It'd be chocolate because you can actually put them together and they turn Ooh. into chocolate mousse, which is oh, amazing. True. Um, What's
0: what sort of chocolate? Can you be more specific?
2: Yeah. Well, if I really had my choice, it would be like basically cacao, which is unprocessed, um, pure you know, chocolate paste. Yeah. 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 Um, and I have a third, Ooh, what could I not live without? Um, the, the Damien Chaparro world famous, um, basically nut mix, which is, (laughs) which is dried fruit, um, dried figs, (laughs) all kinds of different nuts. And, um, I eat way too much of it.
1: Oh, it sounds amazing. So kind kind of like a, a modern Scroggon, you could say. It's
2: totally a Scroggon. But basically I go to the grocery store <laughs> and I buy all my favourite stuff and chop it all up and make like gigantic bags full of this Scroggon. And, um, yeah, I eat entirely too much of it.
1: Yeah, That's a good idea.
0: Yeah, it sounds fantastic. Yeah. You could also put some of that chocolate in there as well.
2: I, I secretly do. Yeah, it's in there. Yeah, fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I want to hear yours.
1: I mean, I feel like... Yeah, mine what's changes yours? What? Oh no, it's
0: good It's good that it changes every time Yeah
1: well I think we did discuss this a few days ago I feel like mine would now be um, Maple syrup
0: Oh good one Yeah
1: okay. I mean I love maple syrup I wasn't syrup. expecting that um, What were the other things? Some kind of fresh pasta mm. So like a You know like a handmade tagliatelle perhaps mm. um, And jalapenos
2: Oh, excellent.
0: Wow. So, So,
1: like, obviously, I wouldn't combine them, you know? So, you you, could do it like a
0: jalapeno pasta.
1: Yeah, it could.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating that maple syrup's in there.
1: I love maple syrup. Could
0: you drink a cup? Yep. I could could definitely drink maple syrup. Heck yeah. yeah! Hang on, hang on, hang best. on. After this, I'm going to get you a cup of maple syrup. <laughs> watch you drink it. To. Let's do it, it. live <laughs> on the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so mine, avocado would be one of mine also. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. uh, I would also probably have almonds or yeah. almonds, depending on how you pronounce them. Uh, of which I really wish that we produ- we pronounce them almonds. It makes a lot more sense. It really annoys me. I wish it was just a thing that we did because almonds just doesn't make sense because of the way it's, it's a, spelled. Well, you take the L it's a thing.
1: Like we we don't really pronounce L's that much. Like mm. Matilda, it's mm. usually
0: yeah. Like like pull like pull. It would just yeah. sounds like there's a W on the end. Yeah. Okay. Avocado, almonds, and you know I think it's going to be eggs. Just like incredibly versatile. Eggs there's are amazing. There's a bit of protein in there. Mm. And, yeah. Yeah, those are Oh yum. That's I'm ex-
1: really healthy. I'm
0: excited. We about should get
2: that. together and make some dinner sometime with just those ingredients. Like yes, that's the yes. task.
1: That's a we can actually
0: make yeah. incredible, incredible feasts Like with that dessert as well. Yeah, you know, we've and got with the Damien avocado, Scroggen. there you the go. The avocado chocolate and sweeten it up with a bit of your maple syrup. That's mm-hmm. a delicious mousse.
1: Yeah, then then you could have the jalapeno pasta with.
0: Yeah, we could do it. We 10%? could do a full retreat just with that. You know, we <laughs> could live off the scrogan during the day. <laughs> <laughs> take totally. some boiled eggs with us <laughs> totally <laughs> okay cool man hey Damien thank you so much for your time how can people check out you or check out the retreat uh, so Damien
2: Chaparro on social media we also Aroha has its own uh, page and feed which is a good one um, we've got some neat content coming actually we're going to do a day with Aroha which is will be an at home retreat so um, that should be coming up you know certainly within the next two months and yeah um, yeah, there's some good content. If you want to practice with myself or some of our teachers, um, you can find me on Insight Timer. So an amazing meditation
0: oh, cool. app in general. Yeah, That's it's, awesome, man. I use Insight Timer all the time. And that, that's what I was meaning when I say my guided meditations. I use Insight Timer. So I'll have to oh, we'll look you find out. you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those are good ways. Yeah. Oh, cool. And awesome. to, just to, um, what is the the Instagram handle for Idaho uh, so Retreat? So it's Damien, D-A-M-I-A-N. I can
2: find that and chaparro c-h-a-p-a-r-r-o
1: yeah awesome cool hey thanks so much for your time damien it was great to meet you thank
2: you guys ditto we'll have to get you down here sometime and we'll we'll do our our um world famous bizarre food retreat (laughs) can't wait (laughs) i can't wait
0: see you guys (laughs) take care See ya.
1: Thanks for listening. Thank you indeed. This podcast is brought to you by Raw Collective. And for any updates on our podcast or any of the other podcasts under Raw, head to rawcollective.co or you can follow them on Instagram at raw But
0: wait, before you go, please subscribe to our podcast and also rate it and review it. Leave a nice little message, leave a smiley face, maybe an emoji. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Or tell your friends. It's super easy. It takes two seconds and it would mean so much to us. Bye. Bye.